content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism and transphobia. Hello everybody, welcome back to Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, as always, pronouns they, them. Um, yeah, last week we talked, well, it's not last week, uh, last episode we talked about metal and uh, loud guitars all over the place. Today we're going to do something a little bit different from that. Um, it's not the Brussels from Muscles, but Jean-Claude nonetheless. Jean-Claude, Welcome. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Uh, very welcome. Um, yeah, no, you're not actually named after Van Damme, but I just couldn't pass up on this oh opportunity to use the joke. I'm so oh sorry. Oh my God, everyone does. So <laughs> I'm kind of used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so it's uh, founder of Manish, uh, yeah, Manish Cave, if I'm correct. Uh, I've seen you all over the place from, from speeches to panels. Um, Trans Day of Remembrance, and but how would you describe it yourself? What is it that you do in daily life? Because I'm kind of drawing blank. Ah, uh, okay. Let me put it together. What I do, I've been doing some thinking over the past couple of months, actually trying to come together and to bring some structure to what I do. Really, so I would mm. say I do freedom work. That's a great way to describe it. I'm yes. already loving that title. So what does it entail? Um, it's basically bringing awareness uh, for the LGBTIQ uh, community in hopes to build the camaraderie between the wider society and, you know, this community in hopes to make us be more productive and to just basically live our everyday life um, without discrimination and just to live our best lives in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing that, um, while I was kind of preparing the show, you know, looking at your impressive CV, boils down to two things, which in turn boils down to freedom work, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of appears to me that you did both emotional things and practical things. And that just blends together so well i was very impressed by that um so what's your motivation to to do it all um basically to empower lives and empower people i remember when i was coming out as trans first i didn't know that i was trans i didn't know what it was but i knew i felt different right i was attracted to uh, cis women because that's what i knew at the time and then it was at this workshop in my home country, Jamaica, where um, we were amongst LGBTIQ people. And there was a session about what it means to be transgender. And it so happened that the that the, uh, presenta the presenter, uh, she was actually trans and she came out as trans. So I was blown away when I saw her. She outed herself and she shared photos and, and her personal experience. And then afterwards, that was so important for me. I stood up in the middle of the workshop and I introduced myself as Sean and everyone laughed because they didn't understand what that was. But for me, right. that was actually seeing a trans body um, in a country like Jamaica where you don't see these people. They are not visible at all. And that gave me the empowerment I needed to find myself. And I just pay that forward. Just basically be visible for other persons to find themselves and be authentic to themselves. And that kind of reflects again in all of the places that 
we've crossed paths the the panels the the speeches like just be visible be out there yes which in turn is also a way um one of the one of the reasons queer sounds exist like it's an it's an open stage for non-binary queer peoples Mm. trans people and you know anyone just kind of falls under the lgbtqiap plus umbrella do you do you prefer like that type of constructive activism or would you also like feel like you you actively contribute to deconstructing some kind of patriarchal society um in a way yes indirectly yes but my aim is to really bring this level of guide persons and enlighten persons into becoming their authentic self and to become aware of themselves and i think from that point then it will like indirectly affect you know these patriarchal structures because you become more aware of your surroundings of what's happening and you're like okay in order for me to be my authentic self i need to understand what's around me and like and know what serves me and what doesn't and yeah so i think indirectly i do that really that, that But, sounds like a very complicated process um It is in a way because you are faced with your own demons sometimes and right. like you're like okay who the hell is this person and you know how can I be authentic in this world and it is it's, it's a bit complicated I'm still working through that myself to be honest but it can be complicated it can be challenging but trust me I can tell you it's very liberating extremely oh, I liberating I just realized um I've never asked you your pronouns Oh my pronouns are him he Right yes. check With that, let's uh, get some music up in this place. First track of the day. I really enjoy this because I'm a sucker for disco music. Luther Vandross, never too much. There we go. Um, I want to start an open petition. Anyone who wants to get more disco onto Queer Sounds, please let me know and we'll make it happen because I could definitely live with more tracks on this podcast. Um, Never Too Much, Luther Vandross, uh, released in 1981. It was actually his first ever single. Um, artist from New York City, tragically passed away in 2005. After which, I don't know if I want to call it a shitstorm, but 
there were a lot of sketchy um well i don't actually want to call them sketchy because i don't know if they had permission to do anything but he got outed by a lot of people in several interviews like a year after his passing which mm-hmm. i do find i'm not entirely sure what to think of that but it feels kind of confl- conflicting what's your stance on that um it's unfortunate that he didn't have the opportunity to share his own truth um but yeah it's just really unfortunate but whilst he was living and i came around this track when i was pretty young about 9 or 10 and right. i remember you know with this track um and everything with Luther Vandross like it was like the theme artist for my entire family and one of the reasons why i chose this track is because um it reminds me of my family and how we were just coming together and having good times and having you know celebrating music and just celebrating love with family and every time i hear a Luther Vandross track it just makes me happy especially this track in particular i remember just dancing and just singing with my family and we were just having so much fun you know i'm in the spirit of love and music right. you know and i remember at that age i remember it was rumored that he was you know gay yeah. so i'm like okay and i find that very interesting and i in, in at a very young age i kind of connected with that Ooh, and for me it was quite understanding apart from the happiness that um I got from this track in my family you know it was just the sound and I could just connect with him in some weird way I was a kid I didn't know what it was but like, it yeah. was quite interesting you It's know like about that emotional connection is some kind of vibe that really resonates yeah yes ah, definitely as a perfect. kid so I'm like yeah. it could be possible that he was I don't know but you know it's very unfortunate that he didn't get the opportunity to you know share his own truth. Yeah, no there's one of the the quotes that I've got written down here one must be wearing blinders to overlook his queerness in you know reaction to it his being Luther Vandross. And the fact that they use queerness is really peculiar to me mm-hmm. because if it would have been an act out of you know just some kind of spite If it would have been out of spite he wouldn't they wouldn't have used the term queerness mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than be gay or something like mm-hmm. that so i do feel like that's that's a telling something positive but i might be reading too much into things um but again if you look at his life and even if it's his live uh concerts on youtube oh, wow, his really? his uh backup singers and even his costumes were like really really avant-garde looking you know and it really screams queerness if you really take a look at it but you know yeah as i said it was unfortunate that he didn't get the opportunity to live his truth openly yeah. you know but the signs were there i'm just saying <laughs> yeah no i definitely agree with you there i mean he also like never married or anything so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um whether that would be to either a man or a woman or whoever else yeah um But you briefly mentioned already talking um talking about why you chose this track like a celebration of music and love which just sounds idyllic like it's it really paints a picture and the way you were vibing to this tune while we were playing it, mm-hmm, it was like mm-hmm. it, it was so telling and um was this just the primary example of that was it all music like this like just have one great disco soundtrack on and just vibing with your family um Yeah, 
It was actually. Um, and there were also other artists that I could think about at very young. I, I remember, um, what's her face? What's her face? Um, Gladys Knight. Oh my God. Right. You know, these tracks yeah. were really tracks that, you know, brought us together. And yeah, the, the, the whole idea of us coming together with music, it was something that really centers us in a way. Um, and my family, our family that we really like grew up on disco music. We grew up on disco music. I'm just really old school like that. I have a cousin, she's about 25. Right. And her favorite music are music, music from the 80s. So we basically grew up on disco and it's something that we just really connect with, you know. And even last Christmas, whenever like I connected my family just by sending them Luther Vandas tracks, ah, Christmas carols so and stuff like that. So we definitely did connect over, you know, disco music. So it kind of became a, a token of, of, you know, family unification, peace yes. times. Yeah. Yes, it was. It's kind of like the embodiment of having a good time all together. Yes, it was. Ah, that sounds so wholesome. It was. I love it. Was. it. Um, but from there, you had this one uh, track that, kind of came from your family from your from your general environment how did your own music taste develop from there did you like stick to that disco mm. did it diversify a little bit mm, no no i'm someone that you know connect with you know soul music really right um and then i grew into urban music and my from there i um developed a love with uh music from Shade, um mm-hmm. and also from Erica Badu, you know, from my my taste in music grew just from the art, authenticity of people, I guess. Right. And yeah, I, and I, I'm I'm just very old school, really. So from there, it more, grew more urban music, and then it grew and grew and grew. And surprisingly enough, I, I am Jamaican, um, but I do love reggae. But at right. the time, uh, growing up, my love for reggae wasn't there yet. It's in my older years, I've developed a very intimate love with reggae. So I could say it started from urban music and then it just grew from there. When did that happen before or after you moved to the Netherlands? Uh, for reggae music? Yeah. Um, it, was in, it was in Jamaica. Yeah, when I was about, hmm, let's say about 15, 16 there about. Right. But there, was, there is no this level of appreciation coming to living in the Netherlands. There right. is this level of appreciation. It's like the being able to take some distance from it from because of that it's growing closer. Um being no, able to actually, reflect it a little no, bit. No, it's it's actually seeing how the music brings people together outside of Jamaica ah. and how the music you know, really put Jamaica on the map, really. Right, you know, yeah. a lot of Jamaicans, like, I don't, well, from my experience, I didn't appreciate the music in the country. Right. Because it was just there, you know, like, you just take advantage of the music. It's always there, but outside, and then you see how many people all over the globe that really, you know, comes together in the name of love under reggae music. It's awesome. It's really awesome. And I'm really happy to be a part of that culture. Right. We'll talk about reggae yes, uh, more later will. on. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> um, all right. But, you know, from there, what uh, you said, you started to get into reggae about 15. Um, what was 
the main way you got in touch with Muesli? Was it just friends, family, radio? How did that go? Um, well, I actually grew up in the church. Um, I, I'm inclined to say, unfortunately, but I won't bash it because I learned a lot. And right. from there, I you know, grew in music. I was a music director uh, at the age of... 15, 16 in my church. I was mm -hmm. um, as a trained singer at one point. Um, and I was a drummer. You know, I was at the time the only female drummer um, at my church. And yeah. I grew from there. I played nationally. And my my love for music grew from in the church, really. Singing, playing. Um, so, yeah, that's where it developed. Do you still play? Absolutely not. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's just, a hard um, it's it's unfortunate, really, because yeah. after my coming out um, and accepting my sexuality at the time as lesbian, I was really hurt by the church and I had to step away from the church, really. So I left everything. I left singing. I left music just not to connect with church. And it's just really unfortunate right. that that was taken from me. Um, but I find myself now wanting to practice again, you know, thinking about yeah. practicing again on the bass guitar. Because uh, oh, I really? find that I really am feeling like heavy bass music. I love the bass. But, you know, something that maybe in the future I will take up again. Yeah, I mean, as a musician at heart, it kind of starts tickling again, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. It starts itching. Yes, it does, really. Yeah. It does. I, I, I know what you're going through. Um, are you, like, how much of a music f collector are you? Like, do you have, like, big databases of mp3 files or just stick to spotify or like buckets and buckets full of full of vinyl is someone like that mm, i have lots of mp3 files <laughs> um from jamaica but i find it I, I find it more easy uh with with spotify Definitely. and i was like a big collector of uh cds um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do have some CDs. I definitely have a couple of Andros CDs for sure and Sade. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I find Spotify quite easier. It is. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? Um, so when you moved from Jamaica to the Netherlands, was there a specific song that was like a soundtrack to that? Like a specific artist? Hmm. Is there a soundtrack? I remember at one point I was traveling from Schiphol to Echt, and that was the first time I actually was on the road right. um, in the Netherlands. And I remember the song, Because I'm Happy Clap Along. Oh, yeah, the Pharrell yes, song. Yeah. Yes, I remember that song was playing. And there was this overwhelming happiness that came across so every time i hear that song i go back to that time where i was just really happy you know just to have an opportunity to to be myself right. so yes there is there's definitely a track so it was that. a happy experience to to move to the netherlands for you um it was bittersweet to okay. be honest it was definitely bittersweet because i came here as an asylum seeker mm -hmm. um in 2015 and i have to, had to leave everything i had to leave home you know, but coming here and going through the process wasn't easy because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but yeah, it turned out great, I guess. And I have an opportunity now to live my best self and to serve the community. So yeah, bittersweet. bittersweet. I mean, to, to wrap it around a little bit, 
you saying that it was bittersweet so because now you're able to to live your own truth the way Luther Vandross never did. Mm. I mean, I'm Interesting just, connection. Mm. I mean, our brains are just pattern recognizing machines, right? I'm just <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to connect the dots here. Yeah, and again, you know, for that, I think it's just definitely a personal journey to want to live your truth mm -hmm. and to, you know, take that risk. You know, I, maybe he wasn't at the point to take that risk openly. Yeah. I don't know. But it really, it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. But at the end of that, you'll be smiling. It does come with a cost. Living your truth, as I said earlier, really definitely comes with a cost. Without a doubt. Um, I think it's about time we get our second track of the day. It's a queer artist spotlight. I mean, we've already had one, but mm -hmm. who am I to say no to more queer artists? There we go. I believe Jehovah Jireh. I believe this heaven. I believe in war. I believe a woman's temple gives her the right to choose. But baby, don't afford. I believe that marriage isn't between a man and woman, but between love and love. And I believe you when you say that you've lost all. Yeah, then we've got it. Um, this is actually the first Frank Ocean track that I've actually actively listened to. I've been meaning to get into it, but never got around to it for some reason. Um, yeah, I think I did check uh, Blonde when it came out. But at that point, Frank Ocean was already kind of that, that artist that was playing a cat and mouse game with, is he releasing new music, is he not? Mm, true. Um, I think that that always stood in the way is like someone who's like the way he appeared in all of the m news music websites like sure I was following Pitchfork on Twitter back then mm -hmm. and all it was about Frank Frank Ocean teasing something um, however that was all way after this track dropped we all try from the uh, Nostalgia Ultra mixtape mm -hmm. back in 2011 yeah um our queer artist spotlight um, supposedly came out in like 2012 with a bunch of Tumblr posts and linear notes and channel orange, that kind of stuff, without actively using terms such as bisexual or gay. True, true. Do you have an opinion on that? What's your What's your thought? What are your thoughts? Um, now I do actually, and it was so profound that at the time. In 2011, he didn't use any labels. Yeah. And, like, for me, I wasn't aware, you know, that you can just be yourself without labels. But I do have an opinion about labels. I think labels really, you know, give persons 
let me rephrase, can provide persons with like a landmark yeah. as to where to find themselves. I always say like, yeah, you have uh, being having a label is like in a box. You have this huge box, and you need to find yourself, find your corner in this box. You know, the term, you know, don't put me in a box. Yeah. You know, you you are in a box, so just find yourself. Find a corner for yourself and just keep that box, you know, keep that corner for yourself. Um, so but I find it very interesting that he didn't use any labels at all. He basically said that his first love was, you know, uh, was from a guy. That's yeah. all he said. And, you know, he went on to you know, share stories about the person in the field. They did feel the same, but they didn't have the opportunity to, you know, share it or, you know, make it vocal. But from that, he wrote some pretty interesting music. And, you know, it's it's so interesting that you brought that up because for this track, I remember listening to this track for years, years. I, I you know, came into Frank Ocean about from 2011, thereabout. Right, yeah. And I was listening to him. And this track, I listened to it over and over and over. And it was one day in the Netherlands when I, I when I'm, um, was on my way to an appointment I, so at least another four years later. Yeah, or more, actually. I was um, going to an appointment on my bike and I was listening to this song. And then yeah. there is a line in it that says, um, I wrote it down so I don't forget. Um, I believe that marriage isn't between a man and a woman, but between love and love. Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, wait, what? Did this line was really in the song? So I stopped and I stopped it and I played it again. And then I'm like, whoa, it did really say that. And at the time I was like, this was a perfect way to actually summarize and what what marriage means. So I'm like, okay. And that was it for the day. I listened to that track over and over and over and it spoke to me so much. And it sat, I sat down with it and I asked myself, why was I... Why didn't I hear this in the track before? I listened to this song for years. And then if you really listen to the track, you know, it says we all try. And in the chorus, he basically pointed out that, you know, he believes, still believes in humanity. And even though we, we are just so fucked up in our beliefs and opinions, he still believes in humanity. And there comes a point that you need to you will grow into awareness and consciousness. And that is right. what happened with me in this track. You know, like at the time when I listened to the track, I wasn't aware of certain issues or, you know, topics then. But now mm -hmm. I caught it, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, even questioning what marriage means and, you know, you know, like this whole thing, as I said before, I was brought up in a church. So I have this concept of marriage. Yes. That's you know? But, you know, with this track, it really. It's an institution. Yeah, it is, but it's what you know, like the whole definition around it, like his his how he brought it was just so powerful, and I'm like, wow, I've definitely grown, and you know, out of labels, right, really, yeah. you know. So yeah, this is why this I chose this track for me. It was really, really powerful track. I bet it is, and it's also just a nice vibey track. Like you mentioned, you were more of a lyrics than a melody, uh, more of a melody than a lyrics person, yeah. which you know is kind of illustrated by this anecdote. Mm -hmm. And I can also very much remember, like, especially because it took that long to catch that track. Mm -hmm. That's what made it so much more powerful. Yes. Like, it's just kind of snuck underneath the surface there. And as soon as it finally hits, it hits you hard. Yes, it does. It does. And, like, I do have that also with many other tracks I've listened to for years. So, again, I think it's, you know, coming from that place of awareness. And as you grow, you really 
grow into yourself and you know come to that level of awareness so you now see things that weren't usually there right um can you name any other examples of that um yeah eric Abadu, bag lady uh, oh right there you go <laughs> yeah got them lined up yeah i remember listening to that song for years and it was when i was really in a very dark place in my life of depression i'm like i know what all these means now you mean let go you know just you know you can't be you know going around with all this trauma and all this baggage weighing down people you know find some way to let it go so you can right. just be free so yeah stuff like that just happens and again it was because of my level of consciousness at the time i'm like wow okay that's what she was saying in that music so yeah it, it happens it sounds very interesting that um with all of the experiences that you've had it kind of feel like they've been waiting for your subconsciousness to be ready or something i don't even know like all of the information is there just it's like they're actively waiting to push through until you're just kind of ready to notice them i'm not entirely sure it sounds super fascinating like yeah it is um and it's quite interesting that you brought it you know in that you know use that analogy because I remember having an experience a couple of weeks ago and this consciousness was brought to me that everything that is within you, everything that you need to, to become your greatest self is there aligned within you. You just really have to open up yourself to it because right. we are indeed definitely stardust. That is what I've learned, you know, so everything is there and we are definitely connected with universe and the universe is connected with us. So we right. just need to open ourselves to that level of consciousness. And that comes in my experience with connecting with yourself and coming back again to that point of authenticity and being yourself. Wow. Still learning, so still learning, still a journey for me. But yeah, still growing, still learning all about it. I mean, those are some very wise words for someone who claims to still be learning. I mean, I bet you are, aren't we all? But damn, you've <laughs> learned a lot already. Wow. Yeah, I think so. And and thanks, thanks to the universe for that. <laughs> but coming back to um, Frank Ocean mm -hmm. and uh, Love for Another Man, tying into the queer bit of it all, what was your queer journey? Can you talk us through that? Queer. I mean, you've talked about the one specific um, moment where you stood up and introduced yourself with your with your with your name. Like, where did you go from there? Um, where did I go from there? I would it's I would say, where did the universe take me? Oh, all right. Fair. <laughs> Because whenever I uh, I you know when I came into that level of consciousness of myself. Um, everything just started to fall into place. I knew I needed to leave my country. Um, I was definitely looking into going to Canada. But again, I heard of this place in 2013. I didn't know what Holland, I didn't know that this place exists, to right. be honest. And then um, it was talking to someone uh, from this organization that got me here They said to me, do you know this place? It's called Amsterdam, Holland. I'm like, wait, what? I don't know this place. So and then after a conversation, I just felt that, you know, I was coming here and I, tell my, I told my ex-partner at the time, we are going to live in Amsterdam. She's like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I just, this is what I'm feeling. And then like three years after it happened and then, you know, coming here, um, do, going through my physical transition, that was a moment that I didn't expect um, 
this level of growth in myself because I thought, okay, I'm just going to physically transition and that's it. I'm going to be myself. But I did not expect the mental and spiritual growth that comes with it. So um, for me, transitioning is it's 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 a journey that entails the body, the mind and the spirit. Let's take a step back here. Um, How much time was that even before, you know, that that specific moment that you talked about and moving to the Netherlands? Like, was it just one day after another? Or took, was that a year-long process? Um, well, after this convers- when I had this conversation with this person, I think it was in 2012. Right. And then it took three years for that to materialize. Um, this person reached out to me again, and they're like, okay, we're going to move you now. We're going to, you know, because they paid everything, all my traveling fees and everything. Um And they're like, okay. And then that's how I got here. So it actually took three years to actually come to Fruition. So that, so that's the person that you're talking about who told you about the existence of Amsterdam was someone associated with like an asylum program. Yes, ah. yes, which is based in Canada. Yes. Right, yeah. Can okay, I say then. the name? Is it okay to say the name? I mean, as far as I can show. Okay, it's called the Rainbow Railroad, and oh, they're based. Oh, I thought you meant the name of the person. No, no, no. Oh, the yeah, no. Yeah, you can definitely mention okay. the name of the institution. Yeah, they're based in Canada. I'm just going to write that down, put it in the show notes, because I bet there must be some people out there who would still love to make use of that. Yeah, and they're still doing great work now. So you can even check them out on, on Facebook. They're doing great work, even right. up to today. So for the Netherlands to kind of, it's disgusting as it's going to sound, allow you residence based on gender discrimination that must have been bad in Jamaica. Do you want to open up about that? Um, about in Jamaica. Yeah, I think basically for me. Um, okay, if I if you ask me this question, maybe like three years ago, I will be very open to talk about it. But like coming to the Netherlands, I can say that I have had more harm done here to me than I ever did in my country. Um, but what I experienced really was the lack of visibility for trans people right? Um, at that time. And there was absolutely no access to medical health for trans people back then. But after the past, you know, four years, uh, four and a half years, there was this, as I left, there was this organization in Jamaica that's now, it's called uh, Trans Wave, JA. Um, it's basically an organization that centers trans the trans community and they're doing great work. They have made like milestones like in the past four years there is now an active active vibrant group of trans uh, uh, trans community back home and you know you can now access hormones as much as hormones now in jamaica so it, it has been growing and yeah it's so before i left i didn't have that i didn't have a community and you know right. Um, having dealing with these feelings and trying to understand yourself you know there was no one to talk to at the time but I know I'm really glad that there is no a community that persons can look up to back then you said you got a lot more harm done here are the Netherlands disappointing like did you expect more I didn't expect this All but right, I but again I didn't sense. expect I didn't come here with any expectations to be honest I came here just to live my best life in whatever way that looks like but you know along with my transition um and as a trans masculine person navigating spaces i do not face transphobia on a daily 
right. here. I face more racism as a black trans uh, masculine body mm-hmm. because they see this black man in a space. So, and that was very harmful for me. It's now I'm trying. Now I have. I am now able to go out more because like. Maybe like a year into my transition, I was scared to go out, you know, yeah. navigating space, presenting to the world as female and now bam, you're a male, a black man at least. It was like something that's really traumatic, you know, so it, I'm still trying to put it into words and now I can navigate spaces a little bit better is as that, a black person. Is that also why you, uh, why you founded uh, Manish Cave? Is that how much of a thing is that still? Yes, um, definitely. Um, in terms of even support for uh, bl- uh, black and people of color for the trans yeah. community, there was absolutely no organization I could get support from when it comes on to black, uh, black uh, and people of color for the trans masculine community. There was absolutely no support I could find, you know, and it, all the spaces I went into was more uh, white centered. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad that we're here. We, you know, that we share solidarity in our transness, but I, I, I don't feel safe. I don't feel connected here. Right. Um, and it was with myself and other two, the other two founders of Manish Cave, we were talking, one of which is black and one of which is white. I met these uh, guys through an organization that supports uh, trans masculine people, trans people. And it was at a party. I saw these trans men standing at a bar. And I'm like, okay, I needed to make friends. So I went over to them and introduced myself. Right, yeah. And then our friendship grew to the point where we just started to support each other and just to talk and, you know, just to, you know, be that, you know, do that peer support amongst ourselves. And then we really found out when we were having a talk in my living room that, you know, we really don't have a space for us. So yeah. that's how we actually started the Manish Cave, out of a need for support for black and people of color, you know, with a trans masculine experience. I mean, it, I just, that's just fine. That's just so wholesome. Like for every queer organization that's that exists, mm-hmm. it, it they all come from a a need of solidarity, need of support. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so heartwarming to find all of these different trans people supporting each other. Mm-hmm. How about we get some music going again? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Track number three, Rebellion Rises, Siggy Marley. Siggy Marley, yes, son of, um, released 2018, 
best life experience and you know you've already briefly touched upon that like just the sense of community at a at a reggae concert mm -hmm. was that also why you picked this track uh yeah um i was actually at a reggae at the regulate concert last year right and he uh was a performer and then he did this song and then it was just so powerful like you know like the the, the awareness you know in the song Right, yeah. I was just so blown away. And if you know anything about Rastafari, you know that Rastafari um, has, you know, very patriarchal uh, standards and way of living and, mm -hmm. you know, ideologies. And then, you know, going on in the concert, you know, you know, when other tracks was playing and then he, you know, started to do these chanting and then he started to quote songs from his father. Right. Um, And then he was, you know, talking about human rights and uh, and then he mentioned women rights. I'm like, wait, what? That's, that's <laughs> refreshing. Like, wait, what? That's like refreshing the, change. The, I mean, Ziggy Marley, I, like one of the revered, you know, persons in Rastafari. Oh, really? Shouting yeah. women's rights and human rights. I'm like, wait, what? I was sold. And, you know, from then I've been listening to Ziggy Mali, you know, and this was this, my, this was my second year at this reggae festival. And it was so profound to see so many people, you know, enjoying reggae music. Right. And I'm like, and it, it, it was, it's real authentic reggae, you know, like the part where the language is just real authentic. And to just understand mm -hmm. that so many people can come together in the name of love. You know, like I feel like I missed out. I could have yes. I could have I could have seen Ziggy Marley live last summer as well, but it was at a festival where I was. But mm -hmm. it, it was there was an overlap. You know, the bass festivals uh, work. Like mm -hmm. it was. I had to I had to go either see Ziggy Marley or Georgia Smith. Okay. Yeah. So I missed out. I've seen Damon. Uh, yeah. Damien. Damien. Yeah. Was, I've seen Damien. He was there the year before at All the right, regular yeah. festival. Yeah. It's. Is I really enjoy going to reggae festivals, and this is how I I find my love for reggae has grown. You know, like yeah, the music is so powerful; it's so amazing. Right, I do feel kind of feel conflicted about you know, especially in the setting where I've where I could have seen Ziggy and where I've seen Damien. Like it's kind of uncomfortable. How so? Because um, it's a pretty much a large white mm -hmm. crowd that mm -hmm. uses reggae music as mm -hmm. an excuse to smoke weed. <laughs> okay. And it's like that, that kind of touches on, you know, cultural appropriation, kind of touches upon racism, mm. kind of playing into the stereotypes of Jamaica. It's, it's a thin line for real, because even at the festivals, like most reggae festivals, you usually see a lot of white people. But in this session with, uh, with you know, Ziggy Marley, He was speaking on so many topics right. that, you know, that centers blackness and black liberation. I was looking around and all these white people and I'm like, are you listening to what this man is saying? <laughs> and when you leave here, what would you take from this? He was just at it. I'm like, oh, if I was a white person in that space, I would feel some type of way, to be honest, because he was just on the stage unapologetically, you know, talking about issues and you know you know and he quote this song from his father until the philosophy uh, of, of one race that holds one race superior i don't remember the words right now but that oh, yeah. song um 
it, 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 he's repeated it twice. And I'm like, you like you don't get what this man is saying on stage. And I'm like, so it could be on the borderline yeah. of, you know, appropriation and just smoking weed. But it was so powerful. I, I just felt so celebrated as a black body in that space. And I'm like, yeah. So I, I, I was really wondering, like, how, how do you feel? You know, like, how, how, what do you take from these concerts? You know, because it was extremely powerful, extremely powerful. All right. Well, let's hope we're paying attention here. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's remain positive. Let's yeah, remain, let's op- remain positive. optimistic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Um, but then out of all of the tracks that you could have chosen by Ziggy Marley, is it also why you chose this track in particular? Because it's got such a strong message? Yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, again, what he brought in his concert, it, was, it needed to be said. And I think for me, one reason also it stood out to me was last year was a year that I really connected with my blackness. Right. And I celebrated that with every fiber of my being. And then, you know, him... To actually come, you know, with these lineup of songs and just to validate that for me was just, just so powerful. And, you know, Rebellion Rises is something I could resonate with because even in my transness and in my activism, I always bring my whole self, my blackness, you know, my black ancestry with me. And it's something that, you know, I, I will take everywhere forever with me. And it's something that's also a topic that is not spoke, um, spoken about um, in the trans community, you know, right. and even amongst black and people of color, there is always this difference. There is always this, we need to understand as black and people of color that the, 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 um, the reality of a black body is very different than a person of color. So they are not the same. And I think a lot of persons kind of mix it, you know, put everyone, people of color. Yeah, throw it on I can pile. understand that political statement, but there is two very, very, very different realities. They are blacks and they are people of color. So right. coming into that awareness as well, you know, and hearing this song and, you know, and in that moment, this is one of the reasons why I chose this song. All right. Uh, so are you even a person that goes to concerts often? Because you did mention it was difficult to pick a track for this category. Um, no, I need to go out more. I right. need to go out more, um, especially festivals. I need to go out more to festivals. Um, but I really find that I do like reggae festivals, so I'll start there. I bought my ticket already also for Reggae Lake, so I'll be, I'm sold. Ah, definitely. <laughs> yes. Um I mean, Ziggy Marley is also coming back to the Netherlands later this summer, um, but it's at a very fancy mm, jazz festival. He? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look that up. But <laughs> while we're at it, let's let's look at the lineup then. Um, for Reggae Lake. Reggae Lake. Yeah. Oh, let's see if I got mean, some. I, this is like free promo for Reggae Lake, but I mean, I don't care. I've given <laughs> Lowlands free promo <laughs> several times already. Coffee will be coming this year. Coffee will be coming, and I am sold. Coffee and who else did I see again? Um, Itana, I heard is booked again. Sean Paul's coming. Sean Paul is coming. Yeah, but I'm there for coffee. I am definitely there right. for coffee. Um, looks like those are the only two names confirmed as of yet. Just yes. Sean Paul and coffee. coffee. Yeah, I do find it fascinating to see like uh, Regga Lake Festival is late August, same time as Lowlands, which means that they'll probably share names. For the same reason Ziggy Marley was playing both Lowlands and the Regular Lake Festival oh. last year. It's just because they're in the same weekend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's always fun to puzzle yeah. bits like that together. 
So, but what's stopping you from going to festivals more often? Um, just being lazy. And right. Yeah, and you know, yeah, I think it's just being lazy and you know being in my comfort zone. But I, I just need to go out more. I really need to go out more. I enjoy life. I really need to go out more. I enjoy life. I'm thinking about going to um, what's this festival? It's in Poland. Opener. No, what's the That's name? That's the one I know. The, this reggae, um, this reggae festival in Poland. I forgot the name. Um, and Con- uh, Chronics will be there, and I love Chronics as well. So I'm really looking forward to going to that one. Have you seen other? Have you seen other shows that like compar- comparatively festivals, club shows? Which one do you prefer? Um, I love live music. So wherever Just in, I, general? in general, so I'm a, I could I I'm a sucker for live music. So in whatever form that comes in, I could definitely go. Ostrada Reggae Festival, maybe. Ostrada. No. How do you pronounce that? No, 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 no. What's the name There's of that some, festival? Someone called Africa Reggae Festival in Poland. In Poland, yeah. Afro? No, I don't remember. No. It's a, it's gonna be on a beach. I was just looking through it this week. Where? Last week. Where did you say it was? It's gonna be on a beach in Poland. Oh wow, sounds lovely. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Poland in the first place. A foreign for about no, Poland. No, is it Poland? No, Portugal. Sorry. Oh, Portugal. okay. Yeah. Portugal. That's... Another P. That's another P country <laughs> right there. Yeah. No. Um, where were we? Reggae uh, festivals. Ooh, yeah. Right. Reggae festivals. So, you know, I feel like more than any other type of music, reggae kind of embodies the festival vibe of just chilling and having a good time mm. or is that just me not really catching the vibe especially compared to what you just said about how reggae is used to make a political statement mm. it's it's a mixture of everything at a festival right. and i think going to a festival is really especially a reggae festival is really what you make it to be you know right. like for me it's just a celebration of my culture and it's something that i could you know get get like a dose of home, away from home, you mm-hmm. know, and seeing people, you know, with, you know, my flag waving all over and, you know, the, the just hearing the language, you know, the patwa on stage, it really, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate, you know, celebrating my culture. So it, it depends right. on the individual really, but for me, it's more celebrating my home away from home. I mean, it also kind of ties in what you said earlier about how it took you a long time to even get into reggae. Mm-hmm. Like, it, was that just the stereotypical image of wherever you go there was reggae playing out in the streets? Um, how how omnipresent was music in your life, also back in Jamaica? It was always there, every day, every day, always there, always there. So I didn't really pay attention to it, to be honest. Right. And even the message in reggae music, you know, centering uh, Pan-African political views, you know, I mm-hmm. wasn't aware of that because around me, everyone was black. You know, right, so yeah. I didn't, it was when I came to the Netherlands and being faced with racism and, you know, this thing is real now. You know, it's not something that you see on TV, especially navigating spaces as a black man. You know, you're like, wait, this thing is real. And then, you know, the icing on the cake for me that cemented my love for music was Chronics. And I listened to his right. music and, you know, it's so political. And then, you know, this track by him. It's called um, They Never Told Us. Black is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that song. And from then I started to listen to a lot 
of you know reggae music again even the ones i knew from a kid before over and over and over you know and then i heard the message in it and i'm like you know rastafari was actually saying this for a long time back in jamaica you know and again you weren't your it comes you know to you at a point where you're aware of certain issues so yeah that that's my experience with reggae music right um so reggae definitely either way it's such an specific type of mood do you have like specific happy songs specific sad songs in reggae well no just in general like what type of music do you listen to depending on the mood like let's start with let's start with happy because this really putting in a happy empowering mood is this just also what you listen to whenever you like want to amplify the mood you're in like the happy mood you're in no actually um i listen to heavy bass music when I want, right. when I feel happy, and I know, you know, listen to a lot of um, Afrobeat music whenever I want to feel happy, <laughs> you know. So sure. everything that is heavily, I find that I like heavy bass. You know, it really makes relaxes me and it really makes me happy. You know, so and then it really depends too. And sometimes I really listen to, you know, I put I could put on like a Jill Scott, you know, just to feel happy or Erica Badu. Right, it really yeah. just depends, you know. So yeah. As long as there is heavy bass in the music, I'm good. Speaking of music, huh, we've been talking about nothing but music in the entire hour. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's perfect. That's what the soundtrack, that's what this podcast is for. But we're about to hit our hour mark, so let's get our last track going on. Yeah. That we go, Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox. 
I really found out that um, I, I, I found out this morning while researching this track that she was, as of yet, the first and only woman on uh, J. Cole's record label. Mm-hmm. They've only got eight artists signed, but who am I to judge? Really vibe with this track. Like it's it's uh, roughly a, roughly a year old. Yeah, just roughly a year old. And I learned about Ariel Lennox. Maybe a month, a month and a half ago. I've always heard of oh, music. That's yeah. And again, if you listen to the song, you know, just at the end, there was this heavy bass that was playing. Yeah. You know, and all her tracks, this bass is 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 a, is is something. It's a language that you know, like black bodies can understand. That makes <laughs> your head bop. You know, right. and it's that call. And I'm like, who the hell is this person? You know. And I heard her song, Whipped Cream. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. I, d- I just liked the bass. It was just heavy. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, who the hell is this person? And I, you know, Googled her. And I'm like, okay. And then I listened to her tracks, her, her album, Shea Butter. And I'm like, this album is dope. You know, like it just right. gives you this feeling, you know, like and that celebrates blackness and black bodies and, you know, sex. And, you know, I, I could definitely relate to that. And her her album, in my opinion, is an album that when you when a black person hears it, they just immediately go into this trance of, you know, blackness and celebrating you. And right. then, then you're like, OK, who the hell is this? And that's <laughs> what happened to me. So even with this track, Shea Butter, um, I just think it's a very intelligent way of, you know, celebrating the black body, you know, and worshiping a black body and understanding now my relation and attraction to black bodies. Right, you know, even yeah. with my transness, I'm like, yes, I can see a black body and, you know, appreciate that. So hence the song. Was it also a deliberate, uh, deliberate choice to only pick black artists for this hour? No, no, oh, no, really? no, That's no. It just came together like that. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a black person. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, I still? definitely listen to a lot of black music. I find I just definitely listen to a lot of black music. I do listen to some white music, you know, but most of the white artists that I listen to have this black resonance. Like, for example, um, what's her name? Yaba. Look her up. Her name is Yaba. Her sound is just very soulful you know and that's what i could resonate right. with yeah yeah no I'll, I'll i'll definitely look that up um mm-hmm. i mean it's uh, the reason i asked wasn't to uh wasn't to call you out or anything it's just fine no <laughs> no i'm not taken i'm just saying yeah, no just um it's i just i'm it's just always so intriguing and, and wholesome to see that people pick artists they resonate with mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. that is. Definitely. And that can't just be musically, but also, you know, racially. So from that, that's just kind of was wondering there. Honestly, uh, and honestly, I didn't even realize unless when you said it, and I'm like, yeah, like every person I've selected is a black person. Yeah. Mm, okay. You know, but yeah. It's just, as you said, the music that I like and the music that resonates with with someone that, you know, that's really what they go with. All right. So to bring it all home, um, how does music reflect on your daily life or your queerness, would you say? How does music reflect on my daily life and my queerness? Just to bring it all home, to tie it all together, put it in a box, put a, put a ribbon on it. Whenever I seek counsel, um, whenever I want 
you know, clarity on, you know, um, certain topics, certain issues, and even with myself, I tend to go to music and music tends to even give me the language to express myself and my queerness. Right. Um, so yeah, hats off to music, the language that everyone speaks. And with that, I feel like it's about time to wrap things up. Um, it's just a great last quote we've got there. Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, if you enjoyed this show, feel free to tell a friend. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so. Buymeacoffee.com slash Queersounds. For now, my name is Hannah, and this has been episode 14 already. I can't help but count. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, at QueerSoundsPod. You can get in touch through QueerSoundsPod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next episode. Thank you.